Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, this is the Sunday after Christmas, and I was wondering, do you ever get to the point where after Christmas, after the presents are opened, it kind of feels anticlimactic? Now, I know all of you are spiritual and don't want to admit it, but how many of you have ever felt that way? You get down to the end, is that all there is? And you know the reason that we have that feeling is because all of the traditions that we have built up that are fun and there's nothing wrong with them, that's not the real meaning of Christmas. The real meaning of Christmas is what Christ came to accomplish. So I had this thought all through December, and I wrote it down, and I've been thinking about it, because I wanted to bring this message today. And it's called After Bethlehem. After Bethlehem. What happened after Bethlehem? Well, after Bethlehem, there were dirty diapers. There was, you know, riding a a donkey or something to Jerusalem. There was going to Nazareth. There was raising a family, raising the other kids. Imagine what it's like raising a perfect child and then all of the others. It's kind of the way my mom felt, you know, Can you imagine what it would be like having Jesus for a brother? That's after Bethlehem. Joseph went back to the shop and built the furniture and worked as a carpenter and trained his son. Do you know what happened after Bethlehem? Life went on. And remember, for the world, nothing had changed yet. Nothing changed. It took another 30 years before anything had changed. Well, there were a couple of things that had changed. Simeon got to die having seen the Messiah. Anna got to tell the world who this new king was, this this baby. And then when Jesus Christ was 12 years old, those, those priests in the temple got to see, wait a minute, there's something special that's going on. And those angels, do you think those are those shepherds? Do you think those shepherds were ever the same after that? Let's look at Luke chapter 2, and let's think about after Bethlehem. Look at uh, verse 6. And it was so that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Now, notice that firstborn son. She did have more children. Mary did have more children after this. This was her firstborn son. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now, let me ask you something. Now, we understand it wasn't December 25th, but let's just for the sake of this message say it was. On December 26th, was there peace on earth? Or were there still wars? Have there been wars since? 
A.D., you know, what was this, 5 B.C., were there still wars? Yes. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem to see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. Wouldn't you? Look at verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Dear Heavenly Father, please help us. Lord, this can be a difficult time. We spend so much energy thinking about gifts for special people and buying and celebrating. And then after the holiday, there comes this downtime. Lord, this is the perfect time for us to contemplate these things. Lord, reveal yourself to be true to us today through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. After Bethlehem, the first thing that I need to do is I need to keep these truths. Look at what it says in verse 19. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. This is contemplation. I wonder how many of us have really contemplated what happened at Christmas. Christmas Eve, we gathered around and we read the Christmas story and then we had a time of prayer, just my family and I. Man, I about started bawling praying about what my children are able to have because of what Jesus Christ came to give. We... It's more than just a Christmas tree or pretty flowers or pretty wrapped presents. And I love the pretty wrapped presents. And based on what I got, I was a really good boy this year. (laughs) Christmas is so much more than that. I wonder if this week you'll take the time to really contemplate what happened at Christmas. A Savior is born. She kept these things. She contemplated them. She thought about them. And I wonder today if we think about what does all this mean? Well, let me tell you what it means. It means that the world, first of all, needed a Savior. Remember Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. The fullness of time, the time was come when the world really needed a Savior. The Bible says in those days, and you know that if you search out that phrase in the Bible, almost every time you see it, it's a time of darkness and trouble and tribulation. And the Bible says that the world was then in darkness. But Jesus Christ came. What does it mean? It means the world really needs a Savior, and the Savior is here. We need to think about that. We need to think about that. After Bethlehem, I need to keep these truths. And then after Bethlehem, I need to travel on. I need to travel on. When you look at the early life of Jesus Christ, it was one of traveling. They were going. The first thing that happened was they traveled to Jerusalem. Look at Luke chapter 2, verse 22. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. They traveled to Jerusalem. You know what I need to do? I need to take these truths, keep these truths, and take them with me to worship. I wonder if you've really worshipped the Savior 
that was born that day. You know, they took Jesus Christ and presented him to the Lord. And when we have babies now, we bring our babies and we have a special dedication service, not a baptismal service. Baptism comes after salvation, after a person is born again. But we take that newborn baby and we present him to the Lord and we say, Lord, he is yours. But I wonder if you have taken this Christ and brought him to worship with you today. As I look out there, do you know what I see? Tired people. All this time off will kill you, won't it? I look out and I see tired people. I wonder how many of you were excited to come today and worship the Savior that came at Christmas. Why are you here today? Why are you in this service? Oh, we're just going to sing a few songs. The preacher's just going to blah, 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 blah. And then we're going to go and eat. Why are you here today? This really happened. The Savior came. Bring Him with you to worship. Keep Him. And travel on. Just keep going in your faith. Walk on. They traveled to Jerusalem. Take these truths to worship. Then they traveled back to Nazareth. Look at what it says in verse 39. And when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. Do you know what we need to do? We need to take these truths home. I wonder if Jesus Christ, the newborn Savior, could be raised in your home. Can you imagine if you had the responsibility of raising a king? There's a song that I love. Michael Card wrote it. It's called Joseph's Song. And it's Joseph sitting there after the baby was born and he's just contemplating what's going on. And he says, how can I raise a king? I'm just a carpenter. How can I raise a king? Can you imagine knowing how to raise the king of the universe? I don't have any idea. But I do know what God has told us to do in the scriptures. I can try and raise my children to be Christ-like. I'm not raising Jesus Christ, but I am raising children who have received Jesus Christ. They're supposed to be Christ-like. I'm supposed to be a godly father. She's supposed to be a godly mother. Do you know what I need to do? I need to keep the truths of Christmas, and take them home with me. I need to travel with Jesus. I need to realize that this king, he is alive. He's real. I need to take him home with me. And then, so we said that he traveled to, that they traveled to Jerusalem, and then they traveled to Nazareth, but then they also traveled to Egypt. Go to Matthew. Keep your place in Luke. We'll come back. But look at Matthew Chapter 2. They traveled to Egypt. Remember, the wise men have come. They've brought their presents. Gold for his deity, frankincense for his priesthood, and myrrh for his sacrifice. But now look at what happens. Uh, We're in Luke, or Matthew chapter 2 and verse 12. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way, the wise men. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother. Now, we're going to take a little parenthesis right here. And I want you to mark some things in your Bible, and I want you to notice something. There in verse 13, it says, The young child and his mother. Verse 14, When he arose, he took the young child 
and his mother. Look at verse 20, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother. And he arose and took the young child and his mother. What's the significance of that? Well, this is Matthew. He's writing that Jesus Christ is king of the Jews. He is going to be the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Redeemer, not Mary. The child. Aren't we glad that Mary was a godly young woman? That God exalted in such a way that she could bear the Messiah. But she's not the Savior. She is not the Savior. All right, let's go back to verse 13, back to our context. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And when he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt, and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Now let me say something that's really interesting right here. There are many critics to the Word of God who say that this story is not real because there's no place in the prophets that says it like that. Well, it doesn't say that which was written by the prophets. It says that which was spoken by the prophets. I got to tell you, Bible scholars could do a lot of good if they would just look at the words. It would help them so much. Just have confidence in this book. Amen? So now let's look at what happens. Look at what happens. Verse 16, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and all the coast thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. I want you to know something. This is an expressly satanic act. Killing these children. Satan, remember, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, when God said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between her seed and thy seed. It shall bruise thy heel, but thou shalt bru- it shall bruise thy head. God had promised all the way back at the beginning that there was going to be a battle of the seeds, the seed of Satan and the seed of woman. Jesus Christ is a seed of woman, and Satan hates that seed. And this is part of Satan's battle to destroy the Messiah. But God had delivered the Messiah. He had taken him to Egypt. But this, of course, was not a surprise to God. Look at verse 17. That was fulfilled, that which was spoken by Jeremy, Jeremiah the prophet, saying, In Ramah, Was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping, and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and would not be comforted, because they are not. It killed the children. Can you imagine? I want you to step back. We read these stories as if they're Grimm's fairy tales. How many of you have children? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what that was like? The killing of these children. Do you know what we learn from this? We need to keep the truths of Christmas. And we need to take that to church, to worship. We need to take it home. But we need to keep these truths and take them into trouble. Because there is trouble coming. There is trouble coming. Now, we may never experience trouble like this. But two or three years ago, who could have imagined the financial trouble that people are in right now? 
Of course, we told you it was going to happen because it was obvious that it was coming. But the world didn't know that this was coming. They were all taken by surprise. It's very clear that trouble is coming. Christ did come into a fallen world. Did you know that the world is still fallen? Jesus Christ has not established His kingdom yet. Satan is still the god of this world. There are still people walking according to the prince of the power of the air. They're still doing that according to Ephesians chapter 2. There are believers that are walking according to the course of this world. According to the course that has been established by the prince of the power of the air. We need to take the truths of Christmas and keep them and take them with us into trouble. Amen? Then what they do is, let's just read from verse 19. But when Herod was dead... Behold an angel. I've got to tell you, Herod died. What do you think his eternity is like? How many of you believe there's a God? What do you think his eternity is like? Behold, when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. Look at verse 22. But when he heard that Archelaus did reign in Judea in the room of his father Herod, he was afraid to go thither. Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream, he turned aside into the parts of Galilee. And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. You see, Jesus Christ was going to be born in Nazareth. Again, this was spoken by the prophets. That first spoken by the prophets was found in Nazareth. This it was found in the book of Hosea. Here, this second spoken by the prophets, they can't find it. And so they criticize the word of God. It's true. It really happened. We need to take the Lord Jesus Christ and the truths of Christmas into trouble. So after Bethlehem, I need to keep these truths. After Bethlehem, I need to travel on. And then number three, after Bethlehem, I need to grow in my understanding of Christ's business. Do you know that Jesus Christ came for a reason? You know, your Bethlehem is the day that you were born again. Is there anyone here that you know for sure that you're born again? You know for sure that you're born again. That's your Christmas. That's the day that Christ is born in you, and that's the day that you are born again. There is supposed to be, from that period of time, a time of growth. That's what's supposed to happen. We are supposed to be growing. Jesus Christ grew. Look at Luke chapter 2 again. Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And the child grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. I wonder if that can be said of you as a believer. The Bible describes three periods of three, three types of spiritual maturity in 1 John chapter 2. I write unto you little children because you know that your sins are forgiven. What's a new believer? No. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Isn't that a wonderful truth? But is that all the truth there is? No, all right, unto you young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. You've grown. You've had some victories in the Lord. You've had some victories over the prince of the power of the air. But then he says, I write unto you fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I wonder if the description of Christ here is the description that could be made of you. Are you growing and waxing strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him? Do you know that you can grow in wisdom? that the Bible commands you as a believer to be filled with the Spirit, and God's grace is always on you. I wonder if you are growing the way that God wants you to grow. You know how that will happen? If you keep the truths of Christmas past December 26th. 
What was his father's business? Let's keep reading on, verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast, traveling again. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. Now I want you to mark that, Joseph and his mother. Joseph and his mother. Is it mother and father? Joseph and his mother. All right. Now, if you have a Bible that says his parents or his mother and father, then you might want to find out why somebody has denied the deity of Christ in your Bible. All right. So it says Joseph and his mother knew not of it. So this is he was left behind. Can you imagine leaving your kids? How many of you have ever done that? You, you've, you've been driving down the road and you found out there was a child that you did not have. Yeah, it's happened before. Uh, for some of you, it was on purpose. All right, what's Rodney Dangerfield say? My parents moved a lot, but I kept finding them. Um, so here, look at what it says. But they, verse 44, but they, supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem. Now look at what it says. And it came to pass... What does it say right there? After three days, can you imagine how scared Mary was for her son? Can you imagine? And after three days, she found him again. Do you know that that was going to happen again? Her son was going to be taken from her, and she was going to find him again three days later. Amen? And look at what it says in verse 46. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou... Now, what would you have done? You know, that's when you lose your child and you're scared to death, and then you find them, what's the first thing you're going to do? You're going to kill them. Right? That's exactly what Mary felt. It says, <laughs> And he said unto them, or ver verse 48, Son, middle of the verse, Why hast thou dealt with us? Now look at what she says. Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Now Mary should have been more careful with her words. How many of you think God the Father had lost his son? What are the chances of that happening? That's kind of hard. I and my father are one. They were never separated. Okay? Now, look at what Jesus Christ says to her. Somebody might point to that and says, No, the Bible does say that Joseph was her father, was Jesus' father. No, Mary said that. Jesus Christ, the 12-year-old son of God, he does not like Bible correctors. Look at what he says. And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about... What's he say there? Now, I am sure that Jesus Christ reverenced Joseph. Do you think that he didn't? What does the Bible say about disobedient to parents? I'm sure that Jesus Christ reverenced Joseph, but Joseph was not his father. He said, I must be about my father's business. If I'm going to keep Christmas 
And I'm going to understand that after Bethlehem, I'm supposed to grow in wisdom. I'm supposed to grow in grace and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm supposed to be about be like Jesus Christ. That means I am supposed to be about my father's business. What was the father's business? Go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Verse 30. I can of myself, I, I can of mine own self, do nothing. Now, I, I want you to understand something. I make this statement often, but I don't know that, 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 that you pick it up. But Jesus Christ, when he was here on earth, he performed his miracles. He did his work in the power of the Holy Spirit. He didn't do it with the power of the Godhead that he possessed. He had laid aside the free and independent exercise of his deity. When Jesus Christ came, he came as the Son of Man. And if he was going to perform the work that he needed to do, it had to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Here, he says that very clearly. Look at what it says. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. Jesus Christ was doing the will of the Father. So what was his business? Know ye not, wished ye not that I must be about my Father's business? What was his Father's business? Jesus Christ was going to do the will of the Father. The Bible says in Hebrews 10.7, then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Hebrews 9.10, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. He takes away the first covenant, the covenant of the old sacrifice, to establish a new covenant, salvation by grace through faith. That was the will of God. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. So after Bethlehem, I should do the Father's will. So here's the idea. If I am going to keep those things in my heart, if I am going to practice what happened at Christmas after Bethlehem, then I've got to grow in the Word of God, grow in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and grow in the grace of God to the point where I understand what the will of God is and I submit to do it. How many of you would like to know God's Word better? Then obey what you already know. When I was in Bible college, somebody asked one of the professors, they said, have you heard about the new Reader's Digest condensed version of the Bible that was coming out at that time? It would have been 1981. And the, the professor looked at him and said, the shortest version of the Bible I know is the one that you live. That professor happens to be in prison for 105 years, so he was living a shorter version of the Bible than anyone. One of the most wicked men in the history of our country. Got a 400-year prison sentence, I think. It's interesting that he had no problem talking to that young man about what he was doing with the Word of God when he was abusing it every day in his own life. I wonder about us. I wonder what we believe about the Word of God. I wonder what we believe. We claim to believe what happened at Christmas. At some point, it's got to affect the way that we behave and the way that we live and we become obedient to the very clear will 
of God. So what is God's will for me? Well, the Bible says that God, in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible says that after Bethlehem, that Jesus Christ set his face like a flint to the cross. His purpose for coming was to die. Our purpose for coming is to go and tell other people about the Lord Jesus Christ. We've had our go theme all year. I wonder if you have gone. See, if we'll actually take and keep the message of Christmas and grow in the Word of God, we've got to tell other people. What did those, what did those I keep saying the angels, what did the shepherds do after they saw it? They went and told everybody about it. How many people have you told about Christmas, about the real meaning of it? How many people have I told? Psalm 40, verse 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God. Yea, thy law is within mine heart. Do you know the best way to do God's will? You know what the best way to do God's will is? You might want to know what it is first. Have you ever done this? You come home and you do something for your wife and you mess it all up. And she says, what did you do? And you say this, I thought that's what you wanted me to do. But you were wrong. And oh, oh, the trouble. <laughs> See, you need to know what God's will is. See, he was able to do thy will, his, his father's will, because he had it in his heart. Psalm 143, verse, verse 10 says, Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. Do you know how you learn God's will? Ask him to teach you what it is. And remember, and we know this from discipleship, right? God's will is the same thing for everybody. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I asked you all a few minutes ago, do you know for sure that you've been born again? Has there come a point in time when you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for your eternal life? Do you know that that's God's will for you? I had a Calvinist come here one time. Calvinists don't believe that Jesus died for everybody. And... Uh, he had a prison ministry and he wanted to come to our church and actually be a member of our church and have it out of our church. And I said, man, we'd love to have you, but let me ask you a question. When you go and preach, when you go and preach to those men in the prison, do you tell them that Jesus Christ died for their sins and that he wants them to be saved? And he said, well, yeah. I said, well, either you're not a Calvinist or you're a liar. Which one is it? Jesus Christ died for the whole world, because God wants every person to be saved. God's will for you is for you to go to heaven. God's will for you is to be able to live a holy and godly life in this world. You need to be saved. And then I need to acknowledge that and take that gospel to somebody else. What's the Father's will for me? After Bethlehem, I should have His will toward others. I've got a whole story here that I printed out that we're going to have in the journal about William Carey. William Carey is called the father of modern missions. In 1793, he sailed to India from England. And uh, listen to what William Carey did. He translated the Bible into 27 different languages because he wanted people to be saved. He put the language in that day, by the early 1800s when he died, 
He had given more than 100 million people the Bible. Do you think maybe William Carey understood what God's will was? It's not God's will that any should perish, but all can, can come to repent, should come to repentance. When I think about what William Carey did, I have a hard time with English. But I can still tell somebody in English. Amen? Uh, we, we can make sure that the Word of God goes out in English. After Bethlehem, what was God's will? Well, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18 that we're supposed to give thanks for everything. Well, after, after Bethlehem, do you think maybe I could be thankful? Well, I didn't get what I was supposed to for Christmas. Yeah, what you're supposed to get for Christmas was hell. <laughs> That's what you deserve. That's what you deserve, that lump of coal, right? You deserve to be the lump of coal. That's what, we get so messed up, don't we? Now, why do bad things happen to good people? They don't. There aren't any good people. I need to be thankful because every good and precious gift comes down from heaven, from above, from the Father of lights. How many of you have something good? Shauna got a new stove for Christmas. How about that? And if there's anybody in this world that doesn't deserve something like that, it's Nathan. <laughs> look, look, at, are you really thankful? Are you, that's what we prayed all through Christmas with our kids. Help them to be thankful, to understand the wonderful life that they have. Oh. Then after Bethlehem, I should give myself completely to him. Be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do you know what God's will for you is? For you to be conformed to God's word. Have you been conformed to God's word? Are you just playing Christian? We need to take it with us. After Bethlehem, I need to change. God desires my sanctification. This is the will of God, even our sanctification, that we abstain from fornication. You need to make sure that you're living right, that your mind is right, that you're careful what you're watching and what you're seeing and where your mind is going. After Bethlehem, I should be a better servant. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, that I'm supposed to be demonstrating the will of God by the way I serve. How are you serving? You know, it's so interesting to me that people come to a church based on what it, what it can do for them. What kind of ministry do you have for my kids? Well, what kind of ministry can you provide for kids? That's the question. What's it, what kind of music do we have? Do you know that there are people sitting out in those pews right now and that aren't here today that normally are that have unbelievable music abil musical ability and we never get to know it? Because the time commitment to do it, I'm not going to serve that way. I've got, I've got enough to do. I've got enough to do. I'll play for the world. I'll do everything out here. But in the church, nah. It's just, and we got, what happened at Christmas? Every gift that you have comes from God. It's supposed to be for Him. And the will of God is for you to take those gifts and use them for Him. Some of you are great teachers. You're great storytellers. You know God. But you're not going to teach anybody. You're not going to get involved in Awana with those kids. I've got other things to do on Wednesday night. Yeah, that's right. You know what you've got to do? You've got to waste your life. You've got to waste your life. Just throw it away on garbage for this world, for the prince of the power of the air, and these precious children that need to know God. Why would I use my gifts for that? Don't you know how busy I am? I come on Sunday morning. What more do you want? You know what we need to do? We need to step back to December 24th. 
And we just think, Jesus is coming tomorrow. Do you know Jesus Christ could be coming tomorrow? We need to live our lives for Him. Use our gifts for Him. Serve Him and love Him after Bethlehem. After Bethlehem. Or is it just a holiday? After Bethlehem, I should be a better example to my community. The Bible says that it's God's will in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. It's God's will that I obey the ordinances of the government that God puts over me. Why? So that the world will see what kind of a believer I really am. See, we need to have more of an impact in this community. That is God's will. Can you imagine? I want you to think about something at Grace Baptist Church. Our lowest attendance of the year is Christmas and Easter. How many of you have ever heard of a church like that in your life? Now, part of it is because we don't have a lot of people playing church that come here. And other churches, the reason they need to have, you know, Christmas Eve services and all those things is that's the only time those people go to church. That's not the way that we are here. But we ought to be having more of an impact in our community so that when it's time for people to come and hear the Word of God, this is where they want to be. But sometimes we get this idea, well, us four, no more. You know, I got my family. Man, we've got to understand that we are supposed to, this, this idea of going, that it's supposed to be out there, reaching this community and bringing them to the place where the Word of God is clearly taught and clearly communicated. That's why we exist as a people. It's the only reason that God's left us here. Amen? Four people agree with me on that. After Bethlehem, look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly. What is circumspectly? It says circumspectly, not as fools. Uh, that's the idea of circle. That you know what's going on around you. How many of you know people that are oblivious? Ladies who are married, raise your hands. Right? You know people that are oblivious. Do you know that many Christians, we walk through life completely oblivious about what the enemy is doing around us? Like, like do you know what your children are being taught at school? Do you know what they're watching on television? Do you know who their friends are? Do you know what books their friends are reading? Uh, Lydia, get somebody give Lydia a book. Laura had the wisdom, the Holy Spirit impressed her to check it out. This was a book for little kids. It was filthy. I'm tempted to have a church meeting where we read it. Do you know what I guarantee you? I guarantee you that there are people in this room and that book is in your home. Your little girl has it. Who's the author? Do you remember who the author is? Do you know what we need to do? We need to be circumspect. We need to know what's going on around us. Now let's read on. Look at what it says. Starting again in verse 13. Uh, sorry, I lost my own place. Verse 15. See then that you, that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but wise, redeeming the time 
because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, understanding what the will of the Lord is. So the will of God is for you to know what's going on around you and to know that time is short. We have a limited time to serve God. Do you know? Do you know what next week is? 2010. How many of you remember Y2K? Was it yesterday? Seriously. We took a picture of the screen. 2000. Wow. That's 10 years ago. 10 more years. I'm going to be 56 years old. 10 more years. And it's just like that. Do you understand that time is short? And the days are evil. It is our job to serve the Lord. How are we going to do that? Remember, after Bethlehem, if I keep those things in my heart, if I ponder them, and then I take what I profess and apply it to my life, I travel with it, I think about it, I live it, I take it with me to worship, I take it with me home, I take it with me into trouble, and then I grow in wisdom and in grace, and I'm filled with the Spirit of God, and I'm obeying His Word and obeying His will, all of a sudden Christmas is actually real in my life. That's what happens after Bethlehem. So I wonder if we today, I'll bet you that since Thursday, some of us have already gotten out of the Christmas spirit. Man, it's wild. In Sydney, man, day after Christmas you drive through, people are already out taking their Christmas lights down. I mean, these are the hardest working people I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Mine are come down like in May, you know? But I love the work ethic, but honestly, for a lot of those folks, holiday's over. Time to go on. Got to go get drunk on New Year's Eve. Do you realize how many Christians will get drunk on New Year's Eve? See, it's time for believers to live like believers. It's time for us to say we're going to be different from the world after Bethlehem. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, this is... This